When is writing for the author, and when is it for the audience? Today, I'm with poet and 2017 National Book Award finalist, Denise Smith, here on The Writing Process. Welcome to the seventh episode of the first season of The Writing Process. It's a deep dive weekly podcast conversation with writing masters. I'm your host, Chris Wink, and I'm sharing with you a conversation I had with one of my favorite follows on Twitter. I'm Denez Smith. I'm a writer, and so far that has mainly meant poetry. I'm very Midwestern. I'm very black. I'm very gay, but I just try to write about the things I know. <laughs> Denez is the author of two poetry collections, the 2014 book Insert Boy and Don't Call Us Dead, a finalist for the 2017 National Book Award for Poetry. They, Denez uses they, them, their pronouns, was born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. It was there as a teenager that Denez was first actively writing mostly to perform as part of a poetry collective and often editing by, quote, adding words and reading them faster, they told me with their infectious laugh. By college, Denez was introduced to another kind of editing, of writing dozens of lines of poetry to end with just what is strong enough to move forward. Denez told me a story from a college workshop in which a friend of his had her poem given back to her from the professor with just two lines circled as being worth using. It was clearly a jarring experience. But it must have worked, considering how Denez's poetry reputation has grown. Last year, their latest poetry collection was made a finalist for a National Book Award, perhaps the single highest honor there is. I'm a personal fan. Poems from Denez are sharp and pointed. They're provocative and world-shaping. I've never written poetry. I'm terrified of the form. Bare and exposed, it's exactly as direct as they are indirect, particularly depending on the skill of the poet. So for this season of the writing process, I wanted my first interview with a poet to be with someone accomplished enough to represent such a multifaceted medium, but someone open enough about the process to help me understand how anyone gets to something good. Denez is exactly that. So I'm going to drop us into our conversation here after I asked Denez Smith, poet, frequent creative writing teacher, and National Book Award finalist about how good published poems are often the remains of hours of work thrown away. I think about that process of, you know, I, I talk about that with my students a lot. I feel like I write a lot of poems where, you know, I, there's a poem in my first book, Insert Boy, which is sort of the same thing. I wrote this whole three section long as hell poem um, about, I think it was originally about James Baldwin. Um, I was trying to imagine his lover writing a poem. Um, and in the book, it actually just appears as like these two lines completely divorced from James Baldwin, um, which were the last two lines of the poem. And really, I think I was working my way up just to get to those last two lines. And so I think about that process often of what it means to sort of expound and expound and expound and expound and expound just to find the moment. Uh, and I guess I think about that process of just finding your own lessons in somebody else's work as well. Um, and I try to remind my students of that whenever I teach that 
um, that one person's workshop is really about the work of everyone in the room because your greatest lessons might come at the hands of somebody else's work and then be oh. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Uh, th- this idea of, of, you know, the process being a vehicle to get you to something um, is so different than your first memory, right? You're, as, a, as a kid, when you're first coming up, you mentioned the I'm trying to write to get longer or edit mm-hmm. to get longer. And now you're, you're fitting into the, into the logic we have of um, I, I, I think that's so important. Um, why do you think that's so hard for us as writers to um, to recognize as normal that we're going to throw a lot away to get the, the best of what we have? It seems so hard for us, right? Why is it so naturally hard and we have to work at that to, to change our mindset? Well, I think because, you know, the creative process is so, I mean, it's closer to the scientific method, right? I think where it's a lot, a lot about experimentation and then throwing the whole experiment out uh, to, try, to maybe just keep one thing. Um, and we come, at least for me, you know, I think I, I'm from the Midwest. I come from such a family of like workers and factory workers. And so you rarely have to throw something out. It's just about production, 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 production. And what you make is actually what goes into the world. And so it's the idea of revision, I think, actually goes against that sort of worker model that a lot of us know, um, where it is just about creating the product and getting it out as fast as possible. Uh, this idea that you might work for hours just to scrap everything and keep an idea. Um, I think it, it, it rubs against our, our little factory worker souls um, that says, wait, wait, what do you mean? I worked on that piece of writing for four or five hours. What are you telling me that it's not a product yet? Um, because that it, it, it fucks with our it fucks with our like little capitalist brains, I think, um, that, that, that our <laughs> that our time that our time did not immediately lead to product and demand. Right. It's just like, what are you talking about? Um, I, I did all this work. But but the creative process, it, it is so much about that experimentation um, that we find in a lab. You know, I think that's maybe why musicians call the studio the lab is because it is so much about trying it out and about throwing it out and about finding the nugget within all all of that mess that you just created. Um, I had a professor um, in my brief stint in grad school, uh, Tarfia Faizula, um, who challenged us in her workshop to always think about our poems, not as poems right away, because that was too producty um, and and sort of signaled at something final, and just to find more comfort in the idea of the draft. Uh, and I know that was really freeing for me, and still I think I remind myself of that all the time because if I stay within the idea of the draft or the idea of the experiment, if I look at my writing process not as a factory but as a laboratory, then I allow myself to go wilder. I allow myself to try um, to try and risk in ways that I wouldn't risk if I was interested in a product, but because I'm only interested in seeing what can happen, um, then I get a little looser, I get a little stranger. Uh, and yeah, and it's just, it's rather free, and, and it makes, it focuses it more on the process, you know? Um, I, I was also part of this, like in college, I was a part of this, uh, this like spoken word hip hop theater group. Um, called First Wave, uh, which was like a scholarship program. They like paid us to come and make art. I feel like I tricked somebody into paying for my college. <laughs> um, 
but that but our 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 director um and most of us were writers but our director was this uh this dancer um named chris walker um and you know and i and i think to what tarfia said finally made a lot of things that i already knew from chris um but just really click into place maybe for a second time um because chris was always getting us to think about um the process you know we would be so frustrated with him because uh, we would all be thinking about like some huge show that we had going on at the end of the me- semester. We wanted the show to be fly. We wanted to be better than our last show. And we wanted it to be so good. But Chris would not let us think about the final project. We'd be a week before still talking about process and what we were learning. We were like, Chris, what the hmm. fuck? We just want, we just want to make a tight thing. Right. Um, but Chris was so dedicated to having us stick in the process. And, you know, it wasn't until maybe my third year in college where maybe clicked again. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, right. It's, I guess it is about the process. And that is the process is actually the space in which writers learn. Um, and that when we're reading books, when you read a good poem, when you hear an album, you're actually hearing the 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 end best results of a process and you're not thinking about every draft um that has gone into it every chapter that was thrown out every line that was given away every song that will never be heard uh and i don't know it it makes it a little i forgot what the original question was but it makes it a little easier i don't know um when you when you can fall in love with the process i think it makes it a lot a lot better of a journey for you as an artist filled with much less frustration it makes you in love with the with the writer's block it makes you fall in love with the bad um crunchy crusty parts of your work as well so yeah two questions on that i think that's great one you're hitting on that the age-old question then of if it changes or is there a constancy in whether writing is for the writer or for the audience Hmm. do you have a philosophical belief there or is does it range depending on on what work you're doing i think it depends on what work i'm doing but i think more or less i i think about the initial draft as an act of catharsis for the writer um i was getting something out um or something wanted to come out or i made a thing um and if it was truly for me then i think i could usually stop at the first draft uh just because I've, I've said it, it's out of me, whatever. I will always be able to look at that and know what I meant and know how I felt when I wrote it. Um, and every step past that, I think every step of editing um, is about getting that moment of, at least for me, is about getting that moment of catharsis um, closer to the understanding of who I'm trying to say it towards. And so... Um, and so I think, you know, for me, especially with editing, I always have an audience in mind for every piece. And so when I'm the editing process is me just trying to move that initial act of getting it out closer to an act of you must hear this. Um, and so trying to bridge that catharsis to communication. Um, and so I'm editing towards not my own voice, but trying to edit towards um, the ear and whatever emotion I'm trying to manipulate out of whatever reader I have at that time. Uh, so, yeah. So I think, yeah, for me, there is definitely, um, I, I think, a, a stark a stark difference. Um, a first initial act that is for me. But I think, yeah, I think editing has to be about pushing it out towards a reader that you have in mind. Yeah. Do, given that you both perform and have pieces that, that remain on, on the page, that's how I, you know, have, have, have read your work. Um, do, do you write differently or have different a difference in mind when something 
is primarily meant to be you know performed for a live audience versus something you want on the page or you you, you think that they they flow really nicely together um i don't i i, I think when, when i was younger i used to think a lot more about that division um i would mm. sit down and sort of say oh i'm writing something for performance or oh i'm writing something um that i'm not interested in performing but i think n- more and more um that that division became irrelevant for me um and my allegiance is that because you got better or just that's a natural progression for well for, it just for... it just didn't help me write the piece um you know thinking about what stage it was going to live in because i was staring at a blank page already making decisions about what it was going to be uh and it was ruining the work or, or it was hindering what the work could be um, my first allegiance is to the poem itself um, and to the idea. And so when I'm writing a piece, I don't have ideas about where, about what sort of avenue it's going to live. Um, when it's all said and done, I can read through it and I can decide whether something live, like lends itself to performance or not. Uh, some things are just easier... Um, to get an audience excited with, you know, they, they're they very un, under, they're very um, accessible um, and exciting on a first listen as opposed to some other pieces which might require one or two readings. It might require that you look at the page to actually understand it a little bit more. Some things just sort of lend themselves to a performer's tongue a little bit more. Um, but I'm not making those decisions while I'm still writing the poem. I can look up um in the editing process and say oh okay this is something that rolls off the tongue in a particular way that be great for performance or it has a particular kind of voice or it's funny or whatever it is um i also write things all the time that i just like oh I, this never needs to be in a book um but it's it has a lot of personality that could read really well on stage and so but i'm not making those decisions before the piece actually shows up what is it like when an idea comes to you to when it first gets recorded to when it gets edited um what what are those what are those things that yeah what's this literal processes you you're comfortable walking us through yeah uh i actually don't know if i have a writing process um <laughs> i think it's it, it's been different for me you know i think your writing process has so much to do with what else is going on in your life um you know when i, I lived in california for a little bit um, working a job and like the job was very demanding and so most of my writing during that point in time actually was just on the BART um, right. to and from work and I like got very good at how to, at getting a draft out in 25 minutes um, <laughs> while standing or sitting in the corner of a train on my notes app on my phone. Um, and just to interrupt you to be quite literal even then so that is I am you know Walking and just an idea sparks, just you know, serendipity, something comes to my mind, and then I'm in, you know, I'm in my notes app writing. Yeah, sort of. I mean, or for me, in this case, it was I, I like Dinez. You only have twenty five minutes to I write see. today, and if you want to still be a poet, you better start writing some damn words in that note app. Um, <laughs> and that was very useful. I was a very emotional boy when I was living in California, so I had a lot to write about. Um, <laughs> Um, but, uh, so I had a lot to pull from, um, but yeah, I, th- I mean, I think, yeah, so I think it, the process always looks different. Um, right now I'm m- more or less a full-time artist, uh, or I am a full-time artist, um, besides some teaching here and there, um, uh, which also feels part of the, the gig, I guess. Um, but right. 
So I get to write whenever the hell I want. And I actually think it means I write a lot less than I, than I think I used to. Because um, I have a lot more, at least at this point in my life. I'm doing a lot of reading right now. I'm reading for 18 different prizes, which I don't know why I agreed to them all. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but in my current season of my life, I'm just doing a shit ton of reading. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think I, I'm walking. It usually maybe is attached to something physical. Um, walking, cleaning the house, being at the gym, doing the dishes, uh, something, sometimes just in the shower, dancing and singing. Um, and a line will come to me. Um, sometimes I'll write it down right away. Um, but I've been more increasingly attractive to just letting an idea bounce around in my head, um, for a couple days or for a couple weeks. And if it's still there, after a while, then I know that it was something that was worthwhile. Um, but sometimes I try to go straight to the page, pull out a piece of paper. I try, I've been trying to write uh, more recently by hand, uh, more than computer, at least on the first draft, um, just because I think it gets a different kind of energy out um, writing in longhand. Uh, and so, yeah, I'll write a poem. Can, sorry, uh, can you say yeah. a moment there? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but about when you say a different energy, I think was, was the phrase there yeah. On, yeah. On, on, on handwriting. Different meaning better or different in the sense of just, just literally different? Um, just different. I don't know if it's better. It's definitely a little looser, which sometimes I think mm. leads to better. Um, I think I'm when I write on a laptop. I think just because of the format, um, I'm already making editing decisions as I'm writing, hmm. and it's a little bit too clean. Um, so I'm already thinking kind of producty um, when I'm on the laptop. Um, granted, not always. I think I can still let myself loose on a laptop. Sometimes that's the only thing I have um, to write with. Uh, but I, but with longhand, there tends to be a little bit. I think it's just that kinetic energy of having to move the hand across the page is a little dip, a little. I think a little bit more uh, kinetic and calisthenic than typing on a keyboard. Uh, yeah, there's just a different a different flow that comes out. Maybe a different, uh, a little looser, a little wilder. Um, sure, I think some of the lines are subpar, but I think there tends to be it tends to be a little bit more energetic of a process, and I feel a little closer to the poem sometimes. And can, can um, I, I'm going to interject a bunch here because this is exactly what I think this this process stuff is great it, to contrast with you know the laptop experience and other interviews. We I'm having you know certainly hearing a similar thing of balancing. The, the slower moving handwritten form versus, you know, machines are great at speed and this might not be something that we want to create efficiencies around. Oh, I feel the opposite. Okay. Yeah. Go, I go think ahead. I think I think about writing by hand as a much more sped up process than writing by computer. Hmm. Um but maybe because I'm a poet like I just like I know like one thing is like I just don't think about line breaks as much when I write by hand. Um, when I write by hand, like if you look at my notebooks, they're all kind of weird. Um, I tend to write diagonal across a page and I just start in one corner, um, and try to make my way and like slowly start to make my way to the other. Um, and I'm much more focused on the words and the images and less focused on the actual shape of the poem, which I will then like sort of transpose on top of the poem later when I'm, when I'm transferring it from page to computer, then I'll actually start to make um, line decisions and spacing decisions in a different kind of way that I guess I don't think about on the page. And so maybe I think that's why the page, for me at least, as this one poet, um, 
is a more energetic experience because there's a choice that I'm usually thinking about in poems that I, I feel freed from. Um, and so because I'm not thinking about shape, because I'm not thinking about line breaks, then the poem goes a different place than on a computer where I kind of have my like final venue for what how a poem is going to look. And I'm, every decision is sort of at the forefront of my mind when I'm on a computer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you saying, in your opinion, for your process handwriting is a a better writing tool and the computer is a better editing tool Uh, i don't want to privilege either because i'm like (laughs) uh, uh, i i uh, i am saying that i'm just saying they're different um and i don't want to uh i i definitely only edit on a computer um i find it difficult to edit by hand Maybe that's because my handwriting sucks. And if I do too much editing in a notebook, then it will go to shit. Um, But uh, I think they... I I, I, I feel... Maybe I feel... And I don't know if I believe this, but maybe I feel a little freer um, when writing by hand. Um, Mm -hmm. And it feels a little closer um, to... This is the same energy that I guess I had when I started writing, um, which w- I can feel the urgency um, of, of of jotting it down, you know, of, of needing to get it out. I feel a little closer to that, that cathartic, um, that cathartic experience of writing when I'm on the page. Um, but when I'm on a laptop, I think maybe it is maybe it is what you're saying. I think I feel like a writer. <laughs> when mm-hmm. when I'm on my laptop, um, and I feel you're like doing I'm, the work. As I'm doing to the work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, where there feel where I think maybe in the notebook, just because that was the first avenue in which I learned how to be a writer or to do this thing called poetry, that it it feels a little closer to that to whatever energy I had at that genesis. You know, maybe it's an urgency, maybe it's an innocence, maybe it's an honesty. I don't know what it is. Um, but something there's a there's another kind of energy there yeah right one last question here on process and then i'd love if you if you'd feel comfortable reading something and talking a little bit about the how it how it transformed in, in throughout the entire you know entirety of its of it of you working on it um last question here though what if you could i'm sure that your instinct is going to be like there's no similarity across them all but I wonder if just you could humor me in what is the most common first kernel of what becomes a poem? If it's a, a phrase that you like and you want to dig into, if it's an idea that you want to explore, if it's an experience, what if you had to create You know what you think the first origin of a piece of poetry is for you, what, what might it be? Oh, I think it's definitely a piece of language. Um, okay. Poems... My best poems uh, start from a phrase um, or start from a word that is interesting to me that feels kind of shapeless or feels like I have to figure out the idea um, behind it or whatever the content of the poem is going to be. Uh, I, 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 it's harder when I start. Sometimes I'll think of, oh, I want to write a poem about X. Um, and when it starts from that place of an idea, it's actually harder for me because now I'm trying to find the language instead of the language sort of finding me and then revealing to me in the process of what it wants to be about. Um, and I think that's literally just because of the venue of poems. You know, I think 
poems are such little brief explorations um and they are more right there's this old saying i forget who said it but like you know poems are not about things they are made of words uh mm. and i like that i need to figure out who that is and commit it to <laughs> um but i but i like that idea and i think it's proven true in my own work for me that um that i have that I surprise myself more, which I think is what becomes the most exciting work um, when I start from a piece of language rather than an idea to expound upon. Got it. That's perfect. So I, I wonder if you if you if you wouldn't mind uh, sharing something you've you've written, published in some form or some way, um, gotten to some stage of completion, and if you might be able to share that with us, and then and then spend a little bit of time unpacking how it changed. Um, might you be able to do that? Yeah, sure. I surely will. Um, so I'm going to read um, a first draft of something, and then I'll read how it showed up in the book. Um, so this is... Uh, I'll read... So I have a poem in my book, latest book, Don't Call Us Dead. Um, the opening poem is a long poem called Summer Somewhere, um, which seeks to imagine a afterlife that is exclusive to... Uh, black men and black boys who have been killed by the police. Um, and so the poem started as a single section um, that I wrote um, sort of leaving... I wrote, I wrote it leaving the Miami Book Fair in 2014. Um, and me and Saeed uh, Sa- Jones, who's a poet, writer, host of a and uh, on for Twitter through BuzzFeed, um, we we were, were friends, and at the time we said, "Oh, let's like start to let's try to send each other new work just to make sure that we're both writing." Um, and so I sent him the first section of Summer Somewhere, which I just thought was a poem, and he said, "Oh, bitch, there's more here. Keep writing." <laughs> uh, and so I said, "Okay." Uh, so I kept writing, and so this um, so this is like uh, I forget what was the first section. Now, actually, I do know what the first the first section was still the first section. Um, so this is later. So this is. Um, about a month in, I kept writing, and so this is uh, one of the sections that, that, at this point, I guess, in this Word document, I had nine sections. Um, in the book, it ends up being, I think, about 20, um, and I had way mm. more. Um, so this is, so I'll read, uh, let me, I'll read the first, I'll read the first draft of this, and then we'll see how it changed. Okay. I lied. Sometimes a boy is born right out the sky dropped dropped from a bridge between starshine and clay one boy showed up pulled behind a truck a parade for himself in his wet red gown years ago we plucked brothers from branches unpeeled their naps from bark sometimes a boy walks into his room then walks out into his new world still clutching wicked metals doesn't matter how he got here if we're all here to dance Grab a boy, spin him around, dip, dip, curtsy, bow to your partner, bow to your God, bow to yourself. It's all the same. Hmm. Okay. Um, so and that's, that's so. Yeah, that's first draft. That that is that. You didn't say first draft, but that's an early draft of this is just working with you right now. No outside editing at this point. Right. This is no outside editing. This is just me. Yep. Um, and actually, I think it, it kind of stays for the most part. The, the ending is, I think, what goes through the most change um, when, we, mm. when we look at it um, in the beginning a little bit. So, um, so this is how it ends up in the book. 
Sometimes a boy is born right out the sky, dropped from a bridge between starshine and clay. One boy showed up pulled behind a truck, a parade for himself in his wet red train. Years ago, we plucked brothers from branches, peeled their naps from bark. Sometimes a boy walks into his room and then walks out into his new world, still clutching wicked metals. Some boys waited here through their own blood. Does it matter how he got here? If we're all here to dance, grab a boy, spin him around. If he asks for a kiss, kiss him. If he asks where he is, say gone. Hmm. First, I have to just say that that phrase of wicked metals, uh, I love. Wow. Um, so a, a couple things I, I'd love for you to, well, you know, you, you're playing on, you know, use of boy is so beautiful. The, you know, first draft, it's, it's curtsy. It's, it's a, it's a, like, you know, something you do as a child that then's transformed to this, you know, existential look at the sky. Um, and late in, in the, in the published form, you have, you have that same spirit of trying to play what I, I, I hear on first listen. Um, and now I'm gonna have to read the full form, but, um, I hear playing with, with the innocence and childhood with the, the very, horrifying reality of of what you're exploring so a lot of that spirits there but i wonder if you could talk about why some of that you know you preferred to, to change um how you conveyed that idea yeah um so the, yeah so a couple like right i think the, the middle of the poem is still mostly the same uh the only thing that changed from the beginning of the poem is i removed um this little i lied um thing which um which i think was attached to a lot of the ordering um of how the poem was i was uh and i one of the things that i think happened um as i edited this piece is that piece is that sections moved in and out um they moved around and so a lot of those little false starts that i think were myself initially thinking about ordering or like what is this going to come after um sort of fell to the wayside and so i lied it's just sort of this like it's it's a two word sentence that actually does nothing for the poem um and so you just get that out the way and just start with sometimes a boy's born right out the sky this little lucille clifton um reference it um in there um but yeah so the end right um we get rid of this dip dip curtsy bow to your partner bow to your god bow to yourself it's all the same thing um and it is trying to uh i don't know i think that language is just sort of static and weak you know um dip dip curtsy is performative um but it doesn't actually move us closer to the subjects of the poem um and then i did this thing that i always do which is sort of bring up god in the end of a poem um that is one of my own writerly tics is that if you leave me to my own devices somewhere in the last two stanzas i will i will reach <laughs> towards god um try to have this moment with the divine not because i necessarily want to in the poem but because that's how i signal to myself that i'm ready to be done and, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's true uh we all have our tics and so um and so in the editing of this you know uh, i think it was just recognizing it was probably either me or Jeff Schatz um, or Philip B. Williams, uh, who's also a great editor um, for me, um, of noticing that tick and just saying, you know, hey, this language is kind of kind of dead. And so I love moving from from that to if he asks for a kiss, kiss him. If he asks where he is, say gone, um, because it keeps. Um, it keeps the world a little smaller and intimate, right? Um, if we're not sort of like 
bowing to a partner, which is sort of, I think partner is a very weird word that I hate a lot. Um, I hate when people say their partner, it sounds like they're about to play Monopoly or something. Um, and we have the God, which is sort of, which is sort of, you know, like I'm saying, my like sort of crutch language. And so if you ask for a kiss, kiss him. Um, that moment for me pulls me into the poem because it also makes this space that is already can't exist a queer space as well. Um, and for me, that's really important. You know, it's adding the self intimacy. If you ask where he is, say gone. Um, it's just a, another moment of, of greater play for me that's still trying to capture that same energy. Um, that the beginning of the that you're that you're correct that like those original two lines were trying to um trying to pull at and also trying to suggest that like some formality right like there's this idea of like learning to be at your first dance and you know what do you do with your hands what do you do when they ask you to do something sort of these formalities that we learn through the currency of a party or the currency of dancing um and so i was trying to keep it there but when he asked where he is said gone it's just a little bit more heartbreaking um to tell the truth than you know this moment of trying to recognize that um, right, I think bow to your God, bow to your partner, bow to yourself. It's all the same thing. It's trying to point to these boys or these men as the divine and trying to say that they are godly in some way. But in truth, that that's that's laid throughout the rest of the poem. And I think it's also done better elsewhere throughout the long poem, um, that connection. And so, um, you know, I always talk about this with, with folks that I'm working on their manuscripts with. It's like, what... Does this poem, does this particular poem not have to say because the work is being done better elsewhere? And so how does like the whole book then become one, um, just become one long poem kind of all together, even if it's many poems section together, but they are all sort of singing into the same center. And so if it's, if it's said better somewhere else, do you actually need to say it here again? Um, and that's what sort of this long poem exemplifies to me. You know, I think there's a later section where, um, where I sort of make Emmett Till this Greek god, you know, um, um, I whistled, now I'm the god of whistling. I built my Olympia downstream. Um, and that is actually doing a better job of showing how, um, how these, uh, how these men, these boys, these martyrs, these, um, these, these slain folks, um, are, I slip into godliness and I think does it better with much more riveting and exciting language than what was originally there. And so when I'm looking at that, right, and I hadn't wrote that section yet. Um, and so once I write that section, I get to say like, oh crap, um, this does the job that I tried to do, you know, 13 sections ago. Um, and so it frees you up to sort of find what else it's trying to get at and what heart, it's, excuse me, um, what heart I'm trying to have now that, you know, now that the poem, now that there is another section that is singing into the same poetic center. Um, so yeah, so that, I think that's a nice thing to think about editing is that, so especially with poetry, is that it's not always about editing the one piece, um, but about editing the larger body and the larger product. And, you know, sometimes um, your poems start to free up each other. They start to communicate with each other. And so, um, and so actually the writing of a new, of a new poem or the writing of a new section within a longer work actually gives you permission to move further away from a first draft that you made elsewhere. Yeah. I love that. And, and maybe in, in closing to, 
to bring you back to something earlier you said that I thought was so 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 wonderful. Um, the idea of you know first draft is perhaps for the writer and everything beyond it's for the audience. Yeah, to use your own words, it's 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 quite true here. Where your first draft, you got out the idea, and as you said, in one of your writing ticks was you know you 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 lean toward godliness toward the end of of a piece. That's how you are closing out something that's for you. And now you then went through an editing process with others and yourself to get it primed for an audience that might not need that, um, but needs the, the broader point. So I wonder if you want to like wrap us a bit with that, that sense. This seems like a, a perfect example of that. First draft got what you need to get out of you. And then the other, the, the edited version seemed primed for, for a broader audience. Is that, does that seem right? Do you see that same connection? Yeah, um, I do. Because uh, the first, or really it's even like, Maybe not even for the first draft did something for me, but the first draft was, um, I guess, yeah, it did do something for me. And then that what that happens in that second draft is that not only do I get to move closer uh, to an audience, but I also get to move further into a surprise for myself. And I think that only happens. Um, that's why I brought up the other section, because I think that only happens because there was another first draft that sort of... Um, that sort of sparks something that does something better and I think also makes myself an audience member as well. Um, maybe in that process, so to kind of mess with that idea is that I now get to watch myself and watch my own work and sort of make decisions that um, that are surprising even for me, which I think hopefully translates to the audience being surprised as well. Ever since this interview I had with Denez, that idea has stuck with me. That the first draft is for the author and everything after is for the audience. That's this episode of The Writing Process, a conversation with writing masters. Look for The Writing Process on iTunes and all the many places podcasts appear and subscribe. You'll be able to find all our episodes as we post them at writingprocesspod.com. Thank you to my guest, Denez Smith, whom you can find on Twitter at Denez underscore S-M-I-F and at DenezSmithPoet.com, where you can buy copies of their collections, which you should. Our theme music is from James Spadola, who confuses internal and imperfect rhyme. I'm your host, Christopher Wink. Find me at Christopher Wink or editing while sitting on my terrace. Until next time, remember, choose your words more carefully.